and welcome to this episode on how to start your own instructional design business. So I'm Hannah, this is Kim, and we work for Bell Vista Studios. So Kim is an absolute legend and she started Bell Vista Studios. So that this is her business. And I think it's going to be a really great opportunity in this video for anyone out there who's thinking about starting their own business in instructional design. Kim has a wealth of knowledge that is going to add so much value to you. So if you're thinking about it, if you're about to start doing it, if you've just started in this video, you're going to find out as much value and as much as you can from Kim to help you on your journey and help you start your own instructional design business. So I guess the first question, Kim, is how do you know when you're ready to take the leap and start your business? Um, I think the first thing is probably you have this compelling pull to do it from within you. Like there's your gut feel, your intuition is like, nah, I've got to do this now. I think that's a good judgment call because um, I think running a business is a challenge and you have to do it for the right reason. So if you're doing it for, because it's your passion or your calling, that's where that gut alignment comes in really, really well because when things are challenging, you will push through them a lot easier and you won't give up. And you're always learning and there's lots of things that you don't know when you run a business. And then you're also a practitioner as well. So I think it's listening to your gut. If you have that compelling feeling of like, I've learned everything from where I currently work. Um, I have so much more to give. I'm earning enough money now to take that transition. I think then that gut is the first judgment. Now, if that's not there, like maybe you've lost your job um, or you've been made redundant or whatever, or you're coming off like a sabbatical or whatever. So you're not currently employed. I'd say like you've got nothing to lose anyway. It's about working out your savings. How long can you go and experiment for? Maybe you have 30 days, maybe you have one week, maybe you have a couple of months, but figuring out how long until I can't feed myself or survive by paying my rent or my mortgage or whatever it is. And even there, is there opportunity for you to sell your car, um, for you to sell assets that you actually don't need so that if this business is really important to you, you have that financial kind of, um, what do you call it? Like oomph there so that you're, that's not even a word, but anyway, you know what I mean? But you have that money sitting there because you've sold things that you don't need to actually finance something that is really important to you. So if you're coming off there, look at that because that deadline of, I have a week to make something happen, um, or I have a month or I have three months or whatever it is, that sense of urgency is really helpful to kickstart you into action to starting your business. And if you think about it as well, for any job, like there is a transition period, you know, you got to wait for the job advertisement to come through. You got to wait for you apply, you wait for that to close. Then they call for interviews. Are you one of those people? Yes or no. So weeks pass on that. So why not at the same time, maybe if you're a little bit scared, we have your business going like you're starting your business, but you're also applying for jobs. However, on that, I would say that you're not fully committed um, to starting a business if you're looking for jobs as well. So Gary Vee uses this um, term and it's don't be half pregnant. Like you can't be half pregnant. So you need to be either, I'm searching for a job and I'm going to have a career or I'm going to have like full-time salary wages employment or whatever part-time, 
or I'm starting a business. When you have yourself in two of them, you know, you're not committed and you're just going to, you're coming from a place of fear. So I think that deadline for yourself where you're just going all in and trying to start your business before your money runs out really helps kickstart you. Um, and then sometimes a lot of people are doing the side hustle. So the side hustle, you know, you're working for someone at the moment, you're taking on some projects in the evening on the side. And there comes a point where you sign a big contract that can keep you employed for like a month or two, maybe. Um, but you're not able to complete the work while being in that full-time employment. So then that's probably a good time to resign or um, hire someone to do it, subcontract that out, get a freelancer to support you if you're not ready to take the leap yet. I think the one thing that's a good judgment is contracts in our world, probably they take about two months. Like they're on this cycle, right? So the person that you connect with today as a possible inquiry is not going to sign within the week necessarily. You need to think about that's a month or two months. And then the other timeline that you're playing with is how long do projects take to complete? And a lot of the time they're between a month, I'd say six to eight weeks, six to 10 weeks. So can you, the money that you're earning from that one project, does it stretch from the six to eight weeks? And then while you're working on that project, you're continuously looking for the next opportunity, your business building activities that you have to do every single day because you need a continuous um, like funnel coming in. So because they drop, drop off, sometimes they're just fishing for a price, but they're not ready to buy. So by the time you get your next decision, it should be around the time when you're six to eight weeks. And these are like, it depends on the project that you're working on. Sometimes they're months, sometimes they're years, but just to, I guess the principles are the same of how you would apply it. So you may get to a point where you're too busy in your freelance and you have more and more inquiries coming through and then it makes sense. I can naturally transition from one to the other and go for that. Give it a go. Um, what else on that? If you're, I think you, yeah, key summary is base it on being passionate and this is what you want to commit your next couple of years to in your life because that makes it really easy. It doesn't mean that's the rest of your life, but in the next two to three years, I want to be self-employed. I want to run my own business, whatever that looks like, and go for it because you're driven by passion, not because entrepreneurship is sexy. Um, then, you know, looking for the, uh, I can't remember what my point two was, but <laughs> um, what was it? Sounds good. <laughs> Well, yeah, go replay the video. Something around the third one I know is like you're employed, then you get to a certain capacity or you're, uh, you're sorry, you don't have any work at the moment. So you got nothing else to lose. So give yourself a deadline. And I think deadlines always really work. So they, yeah, like I said, about you. So yeah, if you have specific questions to your circumstances, put them in the comments and we'll get back to you. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's like, you're right. I've heard you say before, like you need to be all in, you need to, be like really passionate and have that drive and energy around it. And I know you've said that's how it's helped you be successful and take that leap. Yep. Um, so I think that's a really important point for people to like really know within them that it's the right thing for them to do. And they, yep. at least they have that passion and that desire to like want to get into it. Um, yep. so yeah. Cause I know for myself, there's nothing else I'd rather do. What I'm doing at Belvista cool. studios is 
it. I, and when people say, oh, if you could do anything in the world, and this is the questions you need to ask yourself, you yeah. do anything in the world and get paid for anything that you want, what would it be? It might not be that you actually want to start a business. You might just hate your boss or you hate the organization that you're working for and you want to go do something else and you're like, maybe I'll start a business. But maybe you need to move from the organization you're in to another organization so you just get a new job because not everyone is cut out to be a business owner. Or maybe it's a completely, like you want to make cupcakes or you want to start a cleaning business, whatever it is, or you want to become an athlete or a musician. But if you could do anything in the world and get paid for it, what is that? And that's what you, that's where that passion comes in. And for me, it is, I want to run Bell Vista Studios. I love instructional design. I love, you know, closing the gap on problems in organizations. I like being creative. I like graphic design. So what we do in instructional design and human-centered design and e-learning development is a combination of all my personal interests. And I do that every day. And you can hear now the passion coming through. That's what you need to find out for you because not always is starting a business the right answer. Um, and we can get caught up because we are in a culture now of starting businesses. Um, and there's like venture capitalists and all these people like pumping money in doesn't mean it's right for you because it could just be another job. And a lot of people start a business for lifestyle choices, but then they create their business as another job. So mm -hmm. what is the point? So you always got to check. And that's something that's important to me is going, okay, well, am I, is this just another nine to five that I've created for myself? Where am I sitting in Bell Vista Studios? How am I running the business? Am I allowing all those calibrations of my life? Um, for example, um, social relationships, um, travel, what else is there? Like spiritual, all the things, like the joy moments in my life, are they part of the whole puzzle? Um, because that's what it's really about. And you need to be careful that you're not just switching from one thing you don't like to another thing that you think will solve the problem that you have. Basically, apply instructional design to your decision. But <laughs> very inspiring. Okay, thank you, Kim, for that. The next question is, I think it'd be really useful for people to understand what sort of decisions do they need to make when they're going into something like running your own business? Mm -hmm. Are there any key decisions at the very beginning that they need to make before getting into it? Yeah, there are, Hannah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get into it for the right reasons, number one. Yeah. We've just spoken about that. Number two is probably business setup. So when we're in Australia, business structures are a little bit different, but you got to research them for you wherever you are in the world. But for example, um, you know, there's interesting things around tax and tax rates are different between an individual, we call them a sole trader here in Australia, um, and a company. And the tax rate, what does that look like? And that can significantly reduce the amount of money that you make. The other risk is if you're a sole trader here in Australia and you were to get into some trouble, like, or you need to pay debt, your personal assets are at risk. So if you own a house um, and you something happens with a contract and they come asking for more money, you don't have the money in your bank account, they can come for your house. So financially, are you protected through your structure? Um, you also are looking at things like, with the company, sorry, the other side of that, 
and we just ours are quite simple it's like sole trader company um and i think partnership now the, in america i know there's like llc and there's like a few different ones so with a company you are not personally liable the company is liable and if the company doesn't have the money to pay off that risk well then that's the end of that kind of at a basic level but there's just questions you can ask and all i would say is i'm not across this but ring a tax agent ring actually that's who you need to ring an accountant and just say this is what i'm thinking of doing this is the amount of money i think i may make um this is like the assets that i own these are my basically these are my circumstances this is where i'm headed what would you recommend and a lot of them in a first phone call of 20 minutes will give you all the answers to help you make a decision around the business structure that you need to set up because at the end of the day they're looking for your future business so when you need to do your tax returns and all that or your bass or the other things that are legislatively required of you they're going well i help them so they're going to use me as a future customer anyway and you're basically shopping to see if they're the right fit to serve you for those needs anyway. So just jump on the phone and have a quick call. Um, it's definitely worth getting the right structure for you. Yeah. Um, other decisions that you need to make is I think a big one that people get hung up on, but it's so minor anyway on the scheme of it is um, what do I call myself? Do I call myself Kim Tui uh, or do I call myself Belvista Studios? Mm -hmm. And look, the, the thing is, I guess if you want to be the sole consultant, if you want to be an authority in the space, then you go down the individual name. You know, it is Kim Tui. Kim Tui Designs, Kim Tui Solutions, Kim Tui Consulting, whatever. And if you want to have a, a brand around, you know, where you've got other people under you, like we have a team. So it'd be not, I don't think it'd be that great if you're like, you wouldn't really care as an employee, but there'd still be like a grain of like, if you were working for Kim Tui Consulting, whereas if you're working for Bell Vista Studios, like it has a different feel. And I always intended to have people working with me in a team. Um, so having a think about that. And also like if you wanted to sell your business in the future, if it's tied to your name, then that's a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it, so I think with the name though, what is, annoying is and it's so unnecessary and i just urge you pick a name because at the end of the day it's just a jumble of letters that means nothing to the market nothing to your customer until you make it mean something so don't get emotionally connected to it because right now it is nothing um and unless you have this brand already you're known as this person that's an expert on gamification that's your brand already then start your business with that name but if you're just starting out and you don't really have a following or you don't have a client base, you are nothing. The market knows nothing about you. So pick a jumble of letters and make it mean something. And all you have to do is look at the brands around the world that we're nothing. Like when did we ever use the word Uber in our sentences? No one walks around and does that, but it was a word that exists. When did we ever go around and be like, oh, it's a Google of whatever. You know, like we don't, and we don't even associate Google as like the word Google means like a really high number, like million or trillion, but we don't associate that with that. We just associate it with the internet search provider. So don't get hung up on it. Like these big brands created their name and made meaning out of it through their journey. 
and you will have the same journey. So just pick a name, go register it because that's going to hold you back. That's cool. I think that's really good because you can get so caught up on like, what am I going to call it? And you might not take action because you think, you know, I haven't thought of the right name or like I haven't got everything perfect. And I know Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like, just do stop. Like it's okay to think about things and you obviously need to think things through, but take action. And I love that you said that, like just pick a name and go ahead with it. Like, I think that's really good advice. Actually, that's another thing leading on from that, that people get caught up on. And it's like holds them back from starting their businesses. Like I don't have a portfolio. I don't have a website. And I honestly believe that you don't need one. Um, so first of all, let's start with the website. It Belvista Studios, minimal people go to our website um, in a month. So for the longest time, our website was literally the website that I created when I was full-time employed. And it was there. I built it myself. It dated over time like and so that was probably five years ago it dated in the last year or two I was like it doesn't look great but I was like well no one's going to see it so who cares so I didn't because I knew that it would take time to update it what did I want it to say all these kinds of things and then what I did was recently I was just like okay I'll update it um but I'm not going to put much effort into it so I literally bought a template for 20 bucks on templatemonster.com I know how to code it to change it, but you, based on the code, I wanted to use um, Dreamweaver CSS to code it because that's what I'm familiar with, but you can pick Wix or um, what are the other ones? WordPress, all those random things that you can build. You can do a Google site for your website if you really want to go there. But I literally just was like, pick a template that's already got the colors that I need. What does it need to say? It says two sentences and then it says, contact us by this phone number or this email that is our website, you know, so don't think it's this big hurdle. And I almost changed it, I think, subconsciously to help people understand because when people go to our website, I didn't want them to see, oh, I need an about me and I need our services and all this kind of stuff. I just like, I wanted to demonstrate that people will make a buying decision in other ways. And that one page website is enough. And we are getting work through that one page website that says nothing. Because what I believe is you don't need a website because your LinkedIn is your website. Your Facebook is your website if you use it for business purposes. Your Instagram or your Twitter is your website. Um, so I would put more effort into that because then people already have this sense. So what we do at Belvista Studios is we put a lot of effort into adding value to the industry through our posts and our videos and all that kind of stuff. So when people want to contact, like people should, I want people that are ready already to buy from Belvista Studios. I don't want people that are fishing around for a price um, that are curious, that are, don't know what they're looking for because that you hear this in business. You want, you want to find the customers that you want to work with. So our way of doing that is putting out our message, our values, our beliefs on how we approach our process, our projects, how we solve problems. Therefore, we will attract clients to us that are equally resonating with that stuff and they are ready to buy. So therefore they just go, okay, yeah, I'm on Belvista Studios website and here's the phone number. That's if they even get there because they can contact us directly from Instagram. They can contact us directly from uh, LinkedIn as well. So don't put so much effort into it. I've just given you a 
like basically what do you call it like a blueprint and that is the same approach I'd say for your portfolio because a lot of people say I'm not going to launch until I have a portfolio the amount of times that we get asked for a portfolio is very 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 minimal um like less than 10 percent when we had no work to show we still got work and everyone gets work and has everyone starts with nothing but you have experience because you're not coming into the industry um and having never worked on a project before you know you've done something that is a transferable skill and you just need to be able to talk to that and demonstrate that and i think that's really important to know because we all start with nothing everyone has started with nothing but we've all got our first job and our second job and our third job. And over time you'll get a portfolio, but if you're doing the right activities on social media by demonstrating your philosophy and your process, your, or that's your portfolio as well. So it's a mindset shift on what is a portfolio, what is a website and thinking about that differently. Yeah, that's really cool. I think on that, for a lot of people there'd be that, and we talk about it often and we've spoken about it with others in the industry, the imposter syndrome. Mm. So, you might really want to start a business and there might be people watching now who are thinking, I really want to, but maybe I'm not ready or like I'm not at the right level where I can do that. How, how did you deal with imposter syndrome when you first started your business and you're speaking to clients and putting yourself out there? I'd say the first thing is you need to get over yourself. Um, <laughs> like honestly, because it's just your ego. That's fear talking. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to have all the answers. We're never going to have all the experience. If a client comes to you and says, we, a client we're doing at the moment, science-based, um, weird equipment in a science lab. It's all, I, like, I can't even, I don't even know what the language is, um, like formulas and stuff yeah. like that, right? I'm not mathematical. I'm not scientific. Does that mean that I can't do the job or we can't do the job? No. Because instructional design is a process, human-centered design is a process that allows you to close the gap, to solve problems. So therefore I just go, okay, well, I trust my process. I trust that I can create a training experience regardless of who calls us or who emails us or what project comes up on our plate. So that's the first thing is you're just making excuses at the end of the day. Um, and this is just hard love right now because this kind of thinking that is going through your head of I'm not ready I've never done this before um, That's just fear holding you back and you need to get over that now because you will have that forever um, mm -hmm. Because we will never know all the answers. We will never know everything that is to know things are changing every minute in our world every day someone's writing something new, a new blog comes out that then trends and this is the new thing that everyone should be doing. So we constantly learning, like you can't keep up with everything. You just got to keep trying your best. And if you can trust to yourself that you are doing the best that you can with the resources you have right now and with good intention, that's all that matters. That's really cool. I think that's really useful to see. I know for me personally, and you've helped me realize this, is seeing it as more like a process or a journey. You don't need to be perfect straight away. Mm. Around, like you need to enjoy the process of what you're doing and love what you're doing and know that you're learning and you're going to get better every day and you're going to learn new things. And I think that's a really good mindset to have. Um, 
Yeah. And another thing is having good intentions. So you help me understand that as long as you're going into something with a good intention, you need to feel like, okay, with what you're doing. You're not, you don't want to have a negative impact. You want to help people. You want to do what you're passionate about and make a difference. So if you can just remember, like, I have a good intent here, it can help you sort of battle with that imposter syndrome, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's self-work. That answers are on Google. Whenever you go into a new plant meeting you've never done before, you have to have a challenging conversation. Just Google stuff. You'll figure out. You can practice. You can learn. Apply instructional design. But it is a mindset thing. So work on yourself. Love yourself. Good intention. And the rest, yeah, you just got to fight your fear. Yeah. Love it. So another thing for people when they're going into starting a new business, I know... I know I personally, and I think there'd be many others out there, would be worried about the contracts, the legal side of things. Am I going to do the wrong thing and get in trouble? Do you have any advice for people who might be worried about that when they're going into this? Um, first of all, if you've nothing, no idea about any of that, just buy someone's kit. <laughs> like yeah. there are, you know, you can Google, what do I need to put in a contract? Um, there's videos on it. We've got stuff on the creator hub to support with that based on our learnings and what we use. Like it's a contract template or it helps you draft, sorry, your own contract template and a statement of work. But you just need to, as instructional designers, we ask questions, right? And you need to ask like, and this is something you really, I want you to get from this video as a business owner, like, it's scary. I'm a business owner. I'm a freelancer, all these things. At the end of the day, you're an instructional designer. If you imply, if you apply instructional design to your business, easy, right? You're thinking it's a mindset shift again. If you're thinking about it as a business owner, it's overwhelming. I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. There's so much, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose my money. I'm not going to get clients. How do I get my first client? I don't have a portfolio. But if you go, okay, what would you say if you were solving a training problem or a business problem for a client? What are the questions you'd ask? Ask those same questions of yourself to get your business because that's the problem that you're trying to solve. So just apply that same thing. But in terms of contracts, it is ask questions. They're on Google. Um, that answers. You would just briefly tips because it's different. But the first thing you could do is on your first contract, um, or your first gig, you ask the client to give you a contract and then you read it properly and you go through it and you adapt it. And now, because a lot of times big organizations, they have their law team or I don't know what they're called, but like their legal team, I guess. Um, and they will draft something that is in their favor, but it's covered. It has all the legislation that you need to care about and all the like fancy things like the questions we wouldn't know how to ask because they're the SME, right? So they give you a template, you read it really carefully and you highlight things and you go, mm, I don't know what that means. I'm going to ask them. That's okay. Right. Um, this one doesn't sound right for me because a lot of the times they just kind of have a cookie cutter contract that goes from like, if they're a construction company, they'll have like, when you're putting down road pathways, like this is the contract. It's also the same contract when we engage an instructional designer. It's also the same contract when we buy pens and stationery for the office. So sometimes they they don't get our world. So it's a contract is a negotiation, right? So you have the opportunity to go, that doesn't work for me. I can't hand you over the images or the IP in this circumstance because I don't own it. 
So what do we need to do about that? We need to figure that out. So you go through it, you go back to them and you say, I'd like to just have a chat or through email, can you please explain what these highlighted things are? I don't know what that looks like for us. And sometimes they don't know why they're so it's just a chat about what does that look like in our context? Um, and then the next thing is going, okay, well, these particular ones that you've mentioned, like they don't specifically work for us. Um, and this is what I'm coming back with. Do you agree with this? And it's a negotiation. So that's the first part of it. And then you have that moving forward and you just constantly adapt it. I'd say the other thing is we don't do hectic contracts, but um, when you are working on a project, basically your scope is your contract, right? So a scope is a list of items that are included or excluded from the project. So you just need to get very, very clear on your dot points of what is included in the scope and what is not and what is based on assumptions. So for example, you say it is one e-learning course up to 20 minutes in duration completed by the learner or whatever completed by our team so that you, I don't know if you had a really slow learner that took an hour, they're like, well, that person took an hour. So we should have like three times the amount of learning. So you see that the like nuances in language are really important and that it's very specific. One e-learning up to 20 minutes, not approximately 20 minutes because approximately is very subjective. Is that 30 minutes? Is that 10 minutes? You know? Um, so getting very specific of list all the things that they can expect at the end, like the outputs that are gonna come out. What are the conditions of those outputs? So voiceover, for example, voiceover, is it included, is it not? Um, if it's not, that you will, it can be quoted as required. If it is voiceover in there, is it professional voiceover? Is it your team doing voiceover? Is it the client doing voiceover? And what are you gonna do if your team do the voiceover and they go, we don't like that voice? And then you have to re-record it, which is more effort. So there, then you're like, is that money lost? How many reviews is really important? Because um, that scope creep. And I hear people on their 17th review. God damn, you don't want that happening. So yeah, you want two reviews of the storyboard, two reviews of the e-learning module or whatever it is, then approval. What happens after your approval? So I guess the questions that we have in that contract resource, I'm just thinking on um, the Creator Hub, help you define your scope, but get very clear on it. What is included? What are you expecting to deliver at the end? What will the client physically, physically, even if it's digitally, be handed over? What will they not get? Um, and what are you making assumptions on as well? That's really great. I think what I'm like the main points I'm hearing you say is you can ask questions. I think that's really important and really useful for people to know. You don't have to know everything and you're going to learn to go along. So if you're looking through a contract and you don't know, ask the client. It's okay to do that or ask someone who knows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, good pickup. Yeah. Um, so if you could go back I think this would be nice for people to know because it's good to get advice from people who have done it mm -hmm. before. If you could go back to yourself when you were about to start a business, what advice would you give yourself that you wish you knew before you started? Um, what would I say? So we're four years in this month now. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> 
what would I say? You will work it out. It's cool. Yeah. Trust yourself. You will work it out. There will always be an answer. You will always be able to adapt. You don't need to know all the answers. So yeah, you will work it out. I love that. Very cool. Having that faith in yourself that you can get there. You've got this. Yep. There's so many things that are your friend. There's other business owners in the industry. There are meetups. There are conferences. There is Google. There is YouTube. Go on to the future. Um, Chris Doe, he's brilliant. There is someone like Gary Vee, another business owner, building your brand. Um, the information is there. You don't need to know it all. You will find the answer. Just go take action. Yeah, love it. And yeah, that's what I'd say. Awesome. I think another thing, so Kim has mentioned it, but on our Creator Hub, there are resources there. So Kim has done this before. She's figured things out. And there's templates there that you can have a look at if that's something that you'd like to have. So I think yeah. that's a really good thing to have too. Actually, one thing that would help is that there's a, I think it's called the project brief questions. It's a free resource. It's about 26 or 22 questions that you can ask in like a kickoff meeting or very early on. And that will help you scope your project. It just helps you think about what's included, what's not. So go download that project brief questions. I think that would be a really good resource for people to help them with definitely getting clearer on their scope. Cause that's where a lot of people get into trouble when they don't have experience. Yeah. And I think also, like you said, like Christo, Gary, there's so much on the internet that you can look at to help you and support you, which you're doing right now by watching this video. So it's awesome. Um, so I guess Kim, where can people go for support? I know that we've got our mastermind and I think it's really useful for people to have that network and others who are going through the same experience or someone who's done it before. Can you tell me a little bit about that mastermind group that you run? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's a weekly coaching call group coaching with me, um, helping people that are in instructional design or e-learning to take their business to where they want to be. Um, it tends to be people that are probably in their first year of business or they're about to take the leap as well. And what we go through, it's, all, it's always driven by the people that are in the group. So every week you guys can come, we have a little chat um, where we are constantly sharing resources and stuff throughout the week on sometimes people will send questions prior as well and then we base it on what you need to get so it's very informal it's like how we're doing right now you know yeah. it's more of a Q&A coaching experience and we do things from branding um, how to identify your brand how to set your goals it starts always with having goals what are your 12 months goals what are your two years 10 years and breaking that all the way down like one of the resources is well, what does that look like weekly then if you want to meet that 10-year life goal? Um, and then there's things like you actually get all the templates um, from the, like the contract stuff. I'm trying to think what is on the, like <laughs> from the creator hub because we have so many things, but all the business stuff, like a proposal template, um, the project process template. Yeah. So all of the business stuff that helps you, the email template, all the things that help you set up your business and run your business, the templates that we use, you get them. And then we basically 
help you apply them, but it's more like what you're saying, what do even we do, it's around role plays and like, okay, so I've got this challenging conversation with the client. They're saying they're disputing that we've delivered the work. Um, so how do I approach that? Or a client has given me this inquiry. How do I respond to this? You know, am I meant to spend two days? Am I meant to spend just an hour? We talk about pricing. How do you identify you, what you want to charge? How do you charge? How do you get money from a client? So when they honor, oh, we don't know, like, or it's, you know, open, like we don't have a budget, like they have a budget. So what language and what scripts can we use to get that figure out of them so that you know that this project is worthwhile or this project is actually going to be taken seriously and go ahead. So a lot of it is around yeah, the practical side of running a business and learning from each other. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I think you have so much knowledge. I'm always inspired by you, everything that you know and the leap that you've taken with running your business. So thank you so much for sharing. Everyone who's watching, thank you so much for watching. And we, like, I'm excited for you. How cool that you're wanting yeah. to start your own instructional design business. I think that's amazing that you're thinking about taking that leap or if you already have, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, tap into the support that's out there. Kim shared some incredible things. So if you need to re-listen, um, please do and listen to her advice. Um, there's going to be links in the description. So anything that's mentioned, check out the description so you can access those things. Is there anything you would like to leave everyone with, Kim, before we finish up the video? Just trust yourself. Love it. Thanks, everyone, for listening or watching. Thank you all. Yeah.